everyone, this is Krista Bontrager, and I want to welcome you to this week's Points of Interest podcast. I'm your tour guide as we're heading through the Bible as part of this year's Route 66 campaign, sponsored by Grace Church of Glendora. Are you ready for some adventures in the book of Numbers? Well, fasten your seatbelt and let's go. So after a couple of tough weeks through Leviticus, you've survived. I congratulate you. The journey should be a little bit easier this week as you go through the book of Numbers and read about the wanderings of Israel in the wilderness. Now, one thing you may be wondering right off the bat is where does the name for the book of Numbers come from? Well, let me tell you about that. It comes from the fact that there are two censuses that occur in within the book in chapter one and chapter 26. God commands Moses to count the people. And so from those numbers, if you will, is where we get the name for the book of numbers. Another thing that might strike you as you read through the book is that at times it just seems like it's sort of a hodgepodge of stories. There's some more laws. There's stories about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. And there's a lot of lists, the, these two censuses. There, there's just a lot happening. And so a lot of Bible scholars have even wondered, what is it that helps the book of Numbers hold together as a book? You know, what's the order? What's the structure of it? So that's something that's sometimes debated among commentators. So as you read through it, think about it. What is the structure? That's something you can think about as you go through the book. And also remember that the book of Numbers is part of the larger book of the first five books of the Bible. So when you think about it, think it in where is it placed in the first five books? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Maybe that will give us a clue as to how it's organized. Another thing to look out for as you read through it is, again, our storyline of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. We haven't talked about that in a couple weeks because we've been talking a lot about the laws, but that storyline is still there. And see if you can detect what's happening with the line of Judah. Remember, that was our discussion back in the late chapters of Genesis. And that's the line through which the Messiah is going to come. So that's something you can be looking for as you're reading through the book of Numbers. So let's just walk quickly through the passage. This week, we're focusing on chapters 1 to 15 in Numbers. We're just going to do a really quick survey, chapter by chapter, some of the scenery that we'll want to look out for this week on our journey through the book of Numbers. So after we read about the census in chapter 1, we're going to read in chapter 2 about the arrangement of the Israelites every time they would set up camp. And it's going to tell you, you know, who, which tribes were on the east and which tribes were on the west of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the center of the camp. If you have a good study Bible, there's usually a little diagram that you can look at that will illustrate uh, that, that long list there in chapter 2. In chapter 3, we're going to read some about the Levites and who they were and their responsibilities. And they were the priests, the people that would be in charge of the sacrificial system. So you'll be reading some about that. And then we'll be reading in chapter 4 about a particular branch of Levites called the Kohathites. 
God tells Moses and Aaron to count them and gives them some commands about the Kohathites and and some of the other clans that are part of the Levites there in chapter 4. There's some more laws then in chapter 5 about purity in the camp and how to take care of restitution when a neighbor does harm to another neighbor. Uh, there's a whole chapter about the Nazarite vow in chapter 6. The Nazarite vow is going to be important in later stories. In particular, there's two famous people who take a Nazarite vow. One is Samson in the book of Judges. And also John the Baptist is a Nazarite and abides by those laws. So you can keep that in mind as you read in chapter 6. In chapter 7, we get to the dedication of the tabernacle and the sacrifices involved in the dedication of the tabernacle. And if you can imagine the elaborate ceremony that's happening here, all of these sacrifices and all of the blood that would have been spilled in order to dedicate the tabernacle. In chapter 9, we read about the second Passover since the Exodus. And again, this is the redemptive holiday for the Jews. This is this is the equivalent of our looking at Jesus as being the sacrifice for our sins. The Passover is the type or the shadow that points forward to the death of Jesus. And then the cloud comes and rests over the tabernacle. And that's symbolic of God's glory. And as we move forward with the story of the Israelites, there will be a point in Israel's history where the cloud will leave. And that will be symbolic that the spirit and the presence of God has then left the Israelites. So that little account about the cloud coming and hovering over the temple at the end of chapter 9 is very important. Finally, the Israelites leave Mount Sinai in chapter 10 and continue on their journey. And then in chapter 11, we have the shift. We have everything up until this point in the book of Numbers. The, the Israelites have been very obedient. The, the picture that's been painted has been very positive. But then we get to chapter 10 and there's a, there's a change in the Israelites' attitudes. And we have the Israelites beginning to complain about the food. They want something different than the manna to eat. And so we have that whole story there about the quail and um, God sending a different kind of food. We have in chapter 13, Moses sending out the spies to spy out the land of Canaan to see what it's like and coming back and giving their report about that. So after the spies come back from exploring the land of Canaan, immediately in chapter 14, the Israelites start grumbling. They become very despondent because the spies come back. Most of them say, look, the Canaanites are big. We can't conquer them. And the people of Israel lose faith. They lose heart. They don't want to follow Moses. And then in verse 26, the Lord says to Moses, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard their complaints of these grumbling Israelites. It's even God becomes frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. It's like a really bad family argument. At some point, everybody's frustrated and there's a lot of emotion happening. But what's interesting to me, to go back to our, our Genesis 315 
understanding that when we are faithless, when God's people sin, God, the king, is faithful to continue to meet his covenant responsibilities. And in chapter 15, he does just that. He continues to affirm his covenant. He provides some instructions on some additional offerings. And these are ways that the people can continue to have fellowship with God. So even though they're faithless, they're, they're not trusting in God. They're upset with Moses. And God's frustrated, but he remains faithful to his covenant. And he even reaffirms it in a sense in chapter 15 with these supplementary offerings that he gives the people. So we always want to remember that paradigm that we are the faithless ones and God is the faithful one. And then sometimes there is a faithful remnant. And in this story this week, the faithful remnant is really Moses and Aaron but also Joshua and Caleb, the next generation that's coming along and their report back to Moses about the people uh, in Canaan. They saw opportunity and possibility there in the promised land through the power of God. And they knew that if God empowered them, they could conquer the land under his power, not under their own power, not because their army was was stronger than the Canaanites, but because God would accomplish it. And so there is this faithful remnant, this, this thread continuing to run through the story is that by and large, the people are faithless, God is faithful, and then there's a faithful remnant that remains strong to God's covenant. Well, I hope that's helped you out this week. And remember, if you have questions, go on the website. Lots of resources there. And remember, once again, to check out the Route 66 Study Companion. You know, there's a lot of space in there. Even if you just wrote down one question a day or one a one-sentence summary of what the passage was about that day, just to help spark your, your memory, by the end of the year, you're going to have a wonderful a synopsis of the Bible. Don't feel like you have to fill in every line that's in the study companion. Don't let that intimidate you. Maybe even just write down a few key words that strike you as being important and, and meaningful. And if you're behind, don't stress. Just start where we are. And remember that bucket. Just keep pouring the water in the bucket. Even if you don't, understand everything you're in God's word and above all that's the most important we're all in this together grace family I'm excited to be a part of it I hope you're on the journey with us see you next week